Hey everyone. <clears throat> I suppose one of the um, the great teachings, or the not even teachings, it sounds so fucking presumptuous. Um, one of the sort of like, oops, you know, wow. That's the thought. Is that um, this um, path, journey, whatever you want to call, wherever you are. It's not really a path because there's not much time or space, but um, is that you have to be cognizant that every day is another funeral. In other words, that every idea can be revised, that everything is growing <coughs> and changing, and that potentially your point of view is just that, a very limited, tiny explanation for a very vast, impenetrable thing. And that's, you know, it's a constant collapse, you know, today this and then tomorrow something else. Um, you know, today Galileo, tomorrow Newton, and the next day Einstein. It's always, there's always something else to be discarded and something else to be seen. And it is like a continual opening. And so the same, you know, if you're trying to fix your own trauma and, you know, whatever happened that blocked the life force. So I would say I've been on this um, kind of, you know, searching to go home, I would say, that's what I like to call it, um, for over 20 years. And in every time I keep thinking um, I'm closer, I recognize the depth of, you know, how um, deep these trenches are. And, you know, in a culture where everything has to happen today or it can be fixed tomorrow, um, the reference on this path is really nature. And nature supposedly has been going on for 14 billion years, building itself, building itself, building itself. And there is no quick fix. Um, if you're diving into trauma or if you have trauma that's been completely severed from you, mine was completely severed. So I had no access to it and it was just a cut-off job, right? It was just gone. Didn't know anything. So one of the things that the Indians, Shapibo, talk about, or you'll hear quite often discuss, is susto. You know, you have susto. And susto is the terror that a child confronts, you know, with some screaming adult, or, you know, it's just, it just is completely terrified. And in that moment, I've talked a lot about what's left over. I've talked a lot about armor and how we build armor. But what I haven't really talked about is your spirit that disappears. And that was one of the things that Shapibo recently said to me is, you know, Yes, there's blockage, 
but also um, your spirit you know is disconnected from you it is sad and abandoned that's what it feels like so one of the pieces of this which is really the most important piece is your spirit and I talked about it like your original script your original life force the thing that you would become if you were nourished by your spirit it's a thing that blossoms flowers and bees and you know dogs and oceans and everything else but in the impact of abuse whatever that trauma is in the impact of the terror of that child there's a flight and there's just you know I described it as a shutdown but really it's just you leave and I um, I remember a friend who was in Argentina during the terrible 70s when they were you know you know coming to homes and taking people and oh, horrible things like that and his mother had couldn't take care of him because there was two of them and she didn't have a husband or whatever the the duress of that moment and she had to leave him with a friend for a year whilst you know she scurried to take care of her other child and he said to me you know I walked into that house and I remember walking into that house and then doesn't remember anything about the time there and then walked out a year later and remembers leaving and it's disassociation right you disappear but I think it's bigger than disassociation because yes we've all suffered a tremendous amount of dissociation if you're if you've been in trauma because you split you fragment but even more um, powerful is your spirit your life force your script your whatever it is that you are just takes flight just gets disconnected and <clears throat> in one of my early uh, seeings I, I saw um, I was in a cave you know this is one of my ceremonies and I was in the back of a cave I was this little tiny child just curled up in the back of that cave and there's this juxtaposition between and also um, in one of the ceremonies in Peru you know these Indians which are around me all the time which I really see as a metaphor for love and the earth and family and kindness and all the things that I had no access to growing up in one of the ceremonies you know they had come to get me right they had come and I was there with my family and I just it was like I was trying to get away from my family I was crawling on the floor but the, it was like the the energetic the energetic um, tie to the place that I'd known where all the trauma had happened was huge it was like a gravitational pull and I was trying to pull my body towards the Indians like crawling you know on the floor like I was you know that like I was going into the headwind of, of the most 
powerful gravitational pull ever. And I couldn't, I was moving at this incredibly, I couldn't hardly move away from where all the trauma had happened. And it's the blockage, right? That's what they say. There's a blockage, Maria. There's a blockage. And in one of the ceremonies, too, where I was shown, you know, you could have this great life, the, I, I, I couldn't, I literally, it was like death. I could not move this thing, this, this thing in my system was like, you know, you can't have your life, right? It's owned by the trauma. And, and, and again, it's physical, right? So I was on my knees, I was doing down dog. I was just like, I was the most uncomfortable. I could not shake this fucking thing. And I had to leave the ceremony space because it was like death. It was like, I couldn't budge it. And that is a testament to how locked, it's a lock in your system. It's a lock. And that flight early on is really about that blockage and about that lock and about that, you, you just shut the life force down. You just shut yourself out of life. And again, you know, the blow up of the airbag of, oh, everything's fine and look at me and I'm doing all this thing and I'm getting up and I look normal and I go about my day and I'm kind of following, you know, a normal standard conveyor belt life. You can build that, right? Just because you're locked, blocked, and your spirit has basically buggered off, and you're not really here, your spirit's not here, it doesn't mean that you can't be the puppet and play the game. You're just not really here. <laughs> you know, you're just a cover-up. It's almost like an imposter, right? But you've built this thing because now your whole life force is blocked and out of pure terror, you're going to balloon into something that works, that functions, that you know has legs, arms, thinking, whatever. <clears throat> I had really underestimated the power of that lock. I had, you know, I'm like, why is it so difficult to remove, right? This lock. The moment that person, whatever your trauma is, that person put their hand to your face. That person screamed at you. That person locked you out of the house. I don't know, whatever it is that you're, whatever that trauma, that, you know, that trauma is. You flee, you leave, your spirit leaves. And, you know, one of the first ceremonies when I talked about that this um, plant medicine had GPSed me, like she had found my spirit. She had found me in the infinite universe. When I started crying, it was like there was this place where I had been like locked away. 
and she opened that door and there I was in tears about something which is obviously some kind of sexual abuse and I was crying for my mother. Now again I'm only referring to my situation but we all, everyone is, if you're <clears throat> shut down early on and there was abuse etc, you know, there's some kind of flight that goes on. Um, you're, you know, a lot of people remember the trauma, a lot of people can find the tributary back to the trauma. I couldn't because it was such a big impact on my whole nervous system. So of course, you know, I would like all of it to be over now, um, but nature doesn't work that way. And one of the things that we need to be wary of on this path is that um, we, I'm going to talk about me because it's not we, but my own experience has been, you know, well, there's, the, you know, there's a beginning and an end to this, right? There's like, there's a time span within which this thing just, you know, gets fixed. And, well, that's not the case. <laughs> Nature works at her own pace. And you cannot fool yourself into believing that um, you can just overturn this like, you know, um, you know, flipping over a chair, right? That these locks, these energetic locks, the susto, which is the fear, the, the, the fear of that moment, that huge impact is like a meteor hitting the earth, you know? And suddenly, like, you know, everything goes black, right? Or, you know, suddenly it gets really cold and the whole world just ices up. And you think about how long it's taken to get us to this Goldilocks situation of like, you know, perfect sunshine, sky, you know, ocean, etc. It has its own schedule. The lock is huge. And um, you know, we would like to think ourselves oh so much more intelligent and powerful than we are. And, you know, we have to keep, you know, digging and letting go, right? And letting go and seeing and getting deeper into our cellular system. And that, when I say that, it sounds so silly, but like continually relaxing and relaxing and really releasing because it's a whole body kind of trauma impacts. It's, I think in my situation, it's sitting in my stomach. And, you know, I've seen the snakes and all the stuff that's it's sitting there, they're kind of feeding, right, off the terror. And my question is, well, what's the other, what's, you know, to lock or unlock, that is the question, right? What sits, what keeps that lock in place? And I, I don't know, but the fear of death, the fear of 
complete extinction. And also, well, what if, if I let that, if I let that lock go and I truly feel that terror then who will be there for me, right? So as a child, I mean, if you think about it just logically, if you don't lock, if you accept all of this, well, the feeling is, well, I'm, I'm just going to die. I'm just going to disappear. This is just, you know, it's a hundred foot wave when you're at the beach and you're four or five and you see that wave coming. It's huge. The impact is a meteor on the planet, right? It's that powerful. If I don't lock, well, it's going to kill me. And also, if I don't lock and I feel the feelings of what this means, it'll mean... I have no parents, one, means I'll never survive, two, because they're the monster, two, if I feel these feelings, there's no one here to take care of me, right? So if you release the terror, how can you release the terror if the, everyone's a monster, right? If there's no place that is gonna take care of you and love you and make it safe for you and, and nurture you, right? Like a, a loving parent does to a child, you know, if they're scared, they hold them, they take care of them, they coddle them, they make it okay, they make it safe, right? So there's no, so first of all, you know, there's, my parent is the monster or whatever your situation is. Secondly, you know, where am I going to release these feelings because there's no one here and I'm basically I'm on my own, right? So knowing that, I mean instinctively, because children know, you know, when you look at children, they, they're seeing everything. They are the most open, purest little pieces of divinity that, are, you know, can see exactly what's going on. You don't need to explain very much to a child because it's at its most purest, it's at its most open, it's at its most seeing, right? I suppose in the Bible they say, you know, only the children will go into heaven. I mean, it's, it's again, I don't believe any of that stuff, but like, it's the notion that they are, children are the purest little pieces of divinity. They're sensing everything, they're little sponges, they know what's going on. There's no need to explain anything to them, really. About, you know, they understand, they know exactly what's going on. So, right, so there you are, you're locked, right? If your parent is the one that's doing the abuse, if there's no one in the family where you find can find safety, where you can really deliver all your suffering to them, right? In other words, you can put down your baggage and they can nurture you back into it. So, so now, if you need to accept the situation, your spirit just buggers off. 
and you build the requirement for that particular hellhole. You build the person that will survive that. And one of the things that I've, you know, I, you know, we don't, it's difficult to see yourself, you know, because you are yourself, right? <laughs> and that's the great thing about the medicine is that it begins to show you the aspects of you. I mean, you may see, I mean, through meditation, you get to see much more of who you are, right? You begin to see the different parts of who you are. But when you do ayahuasca, there's even, it gets deeper. And another one of these sort of people that I was hiding in this ego for survival was the sarcastic, making fun, you know, um, laughing at. So, and I, you know, no idea that I carried this with him until I did ayahuasca. Because when you do ayahuasca, you're going to find the different components of your armor. And... You know, there's a myriad of them. Um, and one was this joker. It wasn't a joker. It was like making fun of the ayahuasca. It was another dungeon keeper, like another way of keeping me locked down. Another maneuver in the refusal of what had happened. So... When I was in Peru, I had um, there was a ceremony at the end which I completely did not know anything about, and um, I mean it was crazy, and it was a very serious ceremony. It was the end of there was a procession. There was the end. I mean they go from hut to hut. It was it was a very beautiful ending of the you know the whole week or whatever the whole retreat, and I had no idea, and I was in my bed naked listening to the you know Sex Pistols. First of all, you shouldn't be, you know, you have to be off all social media. So part of me was in rebellion. And again, I didn't know about the procession. And, and it was a really disrespectful thing to do. You know, she, when the Shapibo walked in and she was, I was with my headphones and I was lying on bed and she was just like furious. It was disrespectful to the medicine. And... I saw it in ceremony, like I was completely, like, reget t told off, and really, I mean, I was, like, how dare you, right? So, so there's that the aspect of us that we can't see, that doesn't want to fully. You know, it has different maneuvers to maintain the distance from its original spirit, right? So, mine was to mock. That's the word I'm looking for, to mock. I mocked, there was, I was in ceremony, I could see I was mocking the ayahuasca. These are all force fields of refusal. These are all part of the lock, you know. If you show up and there's no love, it's like the joker, right? You become cynical, you become bitter. I mean, I never knew it existed in me, honestly. I'd never had first, you know, hand. But there's something about, you know, it's like the light and the dark, right? You accommodate to the dark, and the dark has its particular, you know, tenants and characters. 
it's going to build a certain framework in the dark. You know, it's very different. Animals that live under the, under the ground are very different to the animals that live above it. They have a different set of, you know, ways of living, rules and regs. So you may consider yourself holy or whatever, you know, or cleansed or, um, but there is so much unseen stuff in this. And the refusal to see our own darkness is a big deal. Because if you're built in darkness, you're going to build characteristics that are built around darkness. They're not built around love. It just makes sense, right? You know, because a child doesn't trust love. If you've been abused or traumatized, the child is going to... For me, it was I mocked it. It's interesting because my own parent mocked my emotions. So then if they mock you, you kind of mock yourself. You kind of internalize everything that's happening with them and you're taking on board all the shutdown you know so eventually you have two choices you be, you internalize them you internalize you literally build this other energetic field that is them that is the refusal of your own life force and i think that's why you know, the Stockholm Syndrome where you begin to love the person that hurts you, right? You take, you begin to agree with, and I think that's what certainly happened to me early on. I had to justify them, him. I had to agree to the, the horrific. And so a large part of me was built in acceptance and legitimizing that person and that's what we do as children we have to survive we have to make the situation okay right and I had said yesterday you know the worst thing is to live in conflict right because on one hand they're beating the shit out of you and the other hand you've got to make them you know you've got to make them okay and then you have to refuse you so to tear this whole structure out of you, um, release the lock that keeps you shut down and agreeing, you know, legitimizing the perpetrator is a big deal. And as I said, I think the fear of letting go of the lock is both the potential of your complete extinction um, and also knowing that there's no one there. Now imagine if you're a little child, little girl, little boy, two, three, four, and you have to acknowledge that there's actually no one there. Well, that's just, you know, beyond you know, overwhelming. So what are you going to do? Are you going to 
stay there? Is your spirit going to stay? Or is it going to, it's going to leave? It's an untenable situation. The huge shock to your system is going to shut you down. It's like a huge breaker switch, like chunk, boom. But once you pull that breaker switch, now you're in the land of darkness. You're in the land of agreement. You're in the land of lockdown. You're going to, you know, agree to the perpetrator. And your spirit's fled. There's no one to nurture your spirit, right? And I remember on, you know, on my first trip down to Peru, um, the first dream I had before I even done the ayahuasca, when I was down in Iquitos waiting to get to the jungle, to get to the, the place the following day, you know, I was, there was a corpse and I had to, I was a little girl and I had to sit with this corpse. And I had my children next door I wanted me to look after. Actually, I was a little older, I wasn't a little girl, but but I, and I couldn't leave the, the rotting corpse. And my children next door, I needed to go take care of my children. But that is very, I mean, as I said, you know, in dreams, in the way everything works, it's always going to tell you what's going on. And that was very clear about, you know, this man has completely taken you over and shut you down. And even though you want to go play with your, you know, you want to take care of your children, of yourself, of your spirit, you can't, you, you're completely owned by this person who's dead. I mean, he'd been dead for what, 10 years then, so, right? So that's how powerful these locks are. And I think that's a really good thing to look at is to look at, well, what, you know, you can say to yourself, well, you know, for God's sake, that's ridiculous. I can get over this and I can just like let this trauma go. And all these self-help books, oh, just let the trauma go. Oh, don't be attached. Oh, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. These are incredibly powerful codes. And then one of the other things is that if someone traumatizes you as a child, they're basically saying it's not okay for you to be a child. That's another thing. It's not okay to be sweet and innocent and to... I mean, nature is built so that it is a progression, right? Of waking up to consciousness, of being nurtured, of being innocent, of living in this sort of idyllic world, and then slowly but surely, you know, you have to deal with all the stuff that comes with being a human being and then blah, right? You don't go from zero, you know, from zero to a hundred like overnight, and that's what trauma is. You don't. There's no. There's no progression, of growth. It's just, you're just frozen. You're just, you know, smack down on arrival. So. You know the, seeing is that. It. It's, it's locked in and it has to be completely released and the level of release um, happens very slowly 
if at all, and that it's that that's what it needs to be constantly monitored. Like, how much fear are you truly carrying? And, you know, in response to this, in response to the trauma, huge egos are built, you know, as the, you know, the wave flag, you know, the uh, wave flying, you know, sort of flag waving, you know, look, everything is great over here, what, you know, it, 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 there's such a split between this kind of ballooned ego that thinks everything's okay and that, you know, it's in constant distraction, it's in constant, you know, um, competition, it's in constant conflict, really, it doesn't realize that, but it is. And it's always being pulled into the world, right? The world's got 10,000 distractions and it's just in every single one of them. Ballooning, ballooning, because it has to balloon. And the bigger the front, the bigger the back. Because deep down, what it is, is it's, it's in shutdown, right? From its truth. And this is why there's, there's, there must always be revisions. I mean, I think it's a constant revision of what is really going on. I might think this over here today, but actually, you know, this is, this is something else is happening. Now, the ego never wants to agree to anything. <laughs> yes, it would like to be a victim. Yes, it would like to you know, blame, yes, it wants to be number one, yes, 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 it has all sorts of tricks and games, and it's a total circus animal, right? And it's always on show for you. And it hates nothing more than realizing that actually it's not anything of what it appears. Because the ego is made in connection with the predator. It's, it's made in connection with the abuser. In my instance, I, it was a, the whole thing was, you know, I disappeared and I, legit, I sort of locked down the life force, agreed, internalized them, you know, so he hated children, so I hated myself, the whole thing, right? And I made him king. You will be king and I will be free. That was one of the lines I wrote in something, right? You were my crack pipe and I was your church or something like that. Whoever abuses you, whoever traumatizes you, you build a relationship with that person. And just think about it. You're small, they're big. You know, there's an agreement, there's a contract made in fact, one of the, with them, even in the tiniest, you know, however little you are, there's a contract that they make with you. My contract was, I'm going to agree, even, I mean, I must have been, what, seven, eight months, I don't know, 10 months, 12. I'm going to let you do whatever because, you know, I've decided that you're king. Or it could be your mother, your queen, whatever. You know, I will be your loyal servant. 
And it's all around you, right? Look, there are gods and people on crosses and all shit. And whatever. Someone's always being subservient to someone. And I had a kind of full-on exorcism when I was in Peru the first time. And it was my child and him. And there was this huge energetic, I mean, I can't describe it. It was like the black hole collapsing. It was insane, like five Shipibo. And it, was, it, was like, it, was, it was like an energetic collapse. But again, these are just, they're like, you know, sm they talk about small brain hemorrhages, you know, they have, you have people have little ones, you know. To me, they were huge. But in fact, they were just, you know, tiny volcanic eruptions to get the whole thing dismantled. They were, I kept thinking it was the volcanic disruption that was going to tear everything down. But the way this is built, you know, the real release, the real fuck you, the real I'm gone from the predator is a much bigger thing. I think there's a kind of a, you have to accept death, right? I think that's, if you think about logically all the things that you're scared of, one is, I'm going to die. Well, then you just, okay, I can release this thing if I can accept death, right? Well, if I die, I die, right? Or two, if I have all these huge overwhelming feelings of sadness and grief, etc., well, you know, who's going to take care, you know, who's, where, where are they going to go? Like, where am I? And then there's the acceptance, well, there's the whole bloody universe. So, you know, the universe is this kind of open-armed embrace, right? In the end, it's fully releasing this huge paralyzed energetic thing the lock in that moment of terror there was a lockdown in that huge moment of terror the breaker switch was pulled your life force was shut off and you buggered off your spirit just went boom I'm out of here And it's somewhere, it doesn't disappear. But then this other thing has taken over, right? This thing that is built, internalized, threaded by you and the predator, or you and the abuser. There's some agreement in that terror. There's some unmanifested, unspoken agreement that you had no choice. You, you know, you didn't have a lawyer present when it happened. <laughs> so, again, when considering all of this um, and so, you know, you know, again, I can sit and talk about it. We can talk about it in therapy. You can talk about it. Da, da. But there, these are kind of 
you know, things happening in other dimensions. <laughs> you know, they're like, you know, how do you retrieve your soul? They call it soul loss, right? Your just soul just goes buggers off. They knew about this, all these, the, the, the Shipibo, and the, they all knew about how all this stuff worked, because it's very intuitive, right? And in this kind of very Excel sheet world, which is, of course, has its, uh, you know, part of it's, it's great too, but because it's 90% it's kind of Excel sheet world, you know, everything has to be put in a box and everything has to, has to have a, it doesn't have a shelf life, everything has to endure forever and all this stuff. In this world, you know, there is no Excel sheet, it's happening in some other dimension, and, you know, it, every belief can be erased and changed tomorrow, right? There's no, it's, 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 it's a world working. You have to accept the collapse of everything. And I suppose the question is, how much collapse are you willing to entertain? Because it can't be half a collapse. It has to be the whole thing. And, you know, thinking can also be a way of barricading it to collapse, right? Everything can be a barricade to it. Who wants to die? I don't know. Put your hands up. Like, no one, right? But that whole... and. What I was saying is, recently was, you have to give up your, when I say your whole family, it means your whole family. In other words, you can't like, you know, give it up a little bit. It's the whole thing. That whole relationship has to be completely torn, you know, brought to the ground. And so, of course, you know, the underpinnings of what that means if you've been carrying your armor around for many years is quite huge right but then your spirit returns who will you be it doesn't who knows I don't know whatever it is that you are once you let go of the trauma but I think it's like being in a cult or having drunk the Kool-Aid for so long I think if you've been used to, so, you know, you've built this thing and you've been carrying it around for a long time and it's got its stories and it's built its whole kingdom, it's always holding on, right? But it, it has to completely be collapsed. And I don't, who knows what the timeline is, how long has it taken us to get to, like, you know, green fields and oceans versus, you know, bits of dust in the air just bombarding each other in space. Um, but one of the, the big things is to acknowledge that you have to just keep doing it. And you don't really know where you are with it. You can't really monitor it. You just have to keep acknowledging where your fear is. What is the outcome of not having this thing? And keep releasing. I think that's one of the things, is to keep releasing. And to not live, you know, to, to try to keep turning down the distraction. Because the less distraction, the more you're present to yourself, the more the releasing you do, 
the more you have to sort of give up to what you don't know, to the universe, to mystery. It's a tough, you know, it's a, it's a tough switch over. It doesn't happen, you know, if you've, if you've lived trauma and lovelessness and whatever, you know, to give up your lifeboat is not easy. You think it's a lifeboat, it's actually a vault, but, you know, in your brain it's a life, you know, in the, the, the brain of a child it's a lifeboat. So you just, you know, I think it's just been more constant seeing, constant. You know, where are you still holding on? Where, well, I mean, I say that, it sounds so, again, ridiculous. It's, it's more just like, you know, where has this being stuck happened? It's, it's all in relationship to the original predator. You know, if that's... I remember she showed me one of the ceremonies, my little child must have been one or two, and I just didn't want to be a child. I was just, just absent. I was in a certain affair ground. And there was all these little children, and I was just beyond terrorized, terrified. Because that's when it happened. All these children in the fairground, you know, it was like innocence, and there was this person just lurking around the fairground. I didn't, innocence was just stolen from me. And that's what happens as a child when you're, anything happens to you that's horrific. You know, whatever the abuse is, the trauma, right? I couldn't, it was impossible for me to, to be that child. I couldn't, it was just so awful because of that moment that I was snatched away that whatever happened, happened, right? Whatever that abuse was. So that frozen moment, that place that literally, it's, it's, it's like, you know, the movies when they have the, um, you hear the sound, it goes, rrr, rrr, you know, going under, underwater, rrr, rrr, shut down, shut down, shut down, shut down, you know, or, you know, there's the nuclear bombs have been sent. And now you're getting into the, you know, the vault. You're going into that, you know, space on the ground. That's what it's like. And then, you know, your innocence is just, your, your childhood is wiped out. So there's no childhood, you're just, it's wiped out, you airbag into whatever, you disappear, you agree, and, you know, you end up, like me, in the back of a cave in a fetal position. So facing your monster or facing or slaying the dragon is um, dethroning the king or the queen, as some people would say, is no mean feat. And yeah, you're not, you you can't, there's no being part of the game. You can't exist. I mean, you exist, but you can't participate in life. If A, you know, you've kind of, it's almost like you've been brainwashed in a way. Right? 
you've taken on the outline of the predator you've internalized the predator so you become the predator in a way you become all of its beliefs right that's that so this like the armor really is 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 the internalization of that predator like you've internalized them you've become them and so you you know if you become them then that's you're not you that means you've disappeared so you have to sort of wipe out their code from your whole system and allow the return of your own spirit allow for that child to be returned it is an eviction and then a cleaning out and then a return of the truth of who you are and it's a blockage because the blockage is it's them it's not you I mean you're forced you know if somebody you're forced to take on the characteristics and the outline of the predator because you're that's what is being reflected to you and that's what you know that's the only survival mechanism their beliefs you know their refusal of your childhood the refusal of your emotions you're taking all of that on board and legitimizing it the abuse that you're legitimizing that if you internalize them so the blockage is them still in your system the blockage is the lock and the lock is the terror and the terror is i'm going to die i have no parent and the terror then makes your spirit just go boop i'm out of here So all that sequence has to be unsequenced. And the day end of the day it's like are you prepared to die in other words let that all go for good. And then are you prepared to feel everything that you refused? And then are you willing to bring yourself home. It's a lot. It's a lot, but it's you can't live in eviction. You can't live without a home. You can't live as an imposter. You can't live as a predator. You can't live as who you're not. you have to let yourself back in bye